0: This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening
1: today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, September 7th, for our job and training institutes. Thank you all who've been hanging in there all summer long. Uh, uh, believe it or not, we've been packing out since June. People are looking for new careers, people are looking to upgrade, update their resume, and people just wanted to sharpen their skills. So we had an awesome summer series of the Father Matters Job and Training Institute. So our next Uh, institute is wednesday september the 7th it is free it is from 9 30 to 4 for more information log on to fathermatters.org and we have all the information on the website for you to gear up for the job and training institute also all summer long we've been getting a lot of emails and phone calls unfortunately with people who are just going through child support child support custody issues divorce I mean, it's it's been a heavy year and we get a lot of calls and a lot of emails. So I wanted to kick this show off today with our special guest, Wendy Hernandez, who's a family law attorney. And she was also one of our keynote speakers this year at our Father Matters fifth annual court and custody conference. So Wendy is going to share because a lot of people were saying that they are representing themselves. They don't have finances. They don't have the money. And Wendy is going to tell you, I think she said close to 60, if not 80, but I say 60 for now, 60 percent of the people who represent it's it's over 60 percent of people who represent themselves in court. And she said it is not it is not it is not a good thing to do. So Wendy is going to give you some tools on how to represent yourself in court. Uh, A lot of attorneys are not happy that she does this, but she really cares about the people she serves. She cares about the people who need help. And if she could do more, she would do more. So I'm going to go ahead and get this started. Jeremy, let's get this kicked off. Here's Wendy Hernandez, and she's basically, she is the um, creator of the Command the Courtroom One Day Workshops. You must enroll into one of her one day workshops about how to represent yourself in court. And so um, Uh, We're going to kick it off. Jeremy, let's kick it off with Wendy Hernandez.
0: Before I get into it, though, I want to thank Vance and I want to thank Jessica. I want to thank the whole Father Matters team for putting on this event. They're giving so much good information and, uh, you know, the cost is reasonable. And when we're talking about our families, like Vance was just saying, really, I mean, price should not be an object. Um, and $45 is not that much to pay to come and get all this information. So thanks to Vance and Jessica. Give, her, give them a hand, everybody. Okay, so let's start moving through the slides. Um, whether you know this or not, 60% of relationships don't make it. And if you share children or property with your ex or soon-to-be ex, then you guys have to figure out a way to divide the children, to divide the property. And guess what happens if you don't figure it out and you're arguing over it? And by the way, I do think that figuring it out is the best way to handle it. I really do, and that's what I strive to do in my practice. But if you don't figure it out, you end up in the courtroom. In Maricopa County, 85% of people represent themselves in the courtroom. And you see that scary-looking picture in the background? That's a torture chamber. And the reason is is because if you don't know what you're doing in the courtroom, that's what it can feel like, a torture chamber. And even if you're not a lawyer, you didn't go to law school, you didn't pass the bar, you're going to be expected to abide by the same Standards, deadlines, and rules, as somebody like me, who went to school for seven years, paid $100,000 to get that schooling, who studied to pass the bar and who took the bar and passed the bar, you are expected to do all of these things. And this is what I see frequently when I go to court, because most of the time when I have cases, people are representing themselves on the other side, and they're freaking out The judge comes onto the bench. People don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. Um, They lose all composure, and they crash and burn, frankly, frankly. And this results, I think, a lot of times in justice not being served, in the best interest of the children not being served. Really, people are losing on a technicality because they don't know the rules. So that's why I'm here to help you, is to help you learn to be competent, confident, and comfortable in the courtroom. Who wants to learn about being confident in the courtroom? Anybody? Yeah, okay, excellent. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, as Shannon mentioned, I was born and raised in a small copper mining town called Baghdad, Arizona. It's about 120 miles northwest of Phoenix. The picture on the left is a picture of my mother about 40 years ago. You see me at the bottom of my picture with uh, the picture with my other brother. And the picture on the right is one that was taken of me just this past weekend. I went home for the first time in 13 years for a friend's funeral. And my brother Shannon wanted to recreate the picture my dad took of my mom years ago. As you can see in the background, not a lot's changed. Very small town. And I couldn't wait to get out. So what I did is I came down to Arizona State University, studied at ASU, and then I went on to um, Notre Dame Law School. I had always wanted to be a lawyer ever since I can remember. It was kind of a calling. I'm not sure of the reason why, but I worked my whole life to become a lawyer. At the time, I went to Notre Dame, and happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. I see some of you wearing green. I'm not. Um, Notre Dame was one of the top 10 schools in the nation. I'm not sure where it it is now, but I didn't come from a long line of lawyers or judges. I came from copper miners. My dad was a copper miner. His dad was a copper miner. My mom's dad was a copper miner. That's where I came from, And law school, frankly, was a hard experience for me. It was very overwhelming. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged there necessarily, so it was a struggle to get through. But I did graduate. I made it out into the real world. I took the bar exam, and I started prosecuting with the county attorney's office. And that was the best training that I could ever have wished for. I tried cases all the way from speeding tickets, criminal speeding tickets, all the way to murder. And after about three years, though, I decided I wanted to see the other side because I felt like people who were getting criminal defense work really um, needed more help. They didn't have the resources that the people on the state side had, so I went to the other side and started doing criminal law work. And as my practice evolved, it started to evolve, so I was doing divorce work. Um, And this started to take on more meaning and significance when I had my own family, When I got married and had a daughter, that's my husband, James, and my daughter, Paloma. James is here somewhere. Um, You know, but when I had my daughter, it really opened my eyes in terms of what people going through custody and family law cases are going through. I cannot imagine having to go a week or a day without seeing my daughter, and I don't understand how people do it, but it helped me become more passionate about helping people go through this system. So... Next slide. I want to talk to you about the day that Command the Courtroom was born. Um, I was trying one of my first family law trials, and the attorney on the other side had a good 15 years of experience on me. And I don't think he understood that I had some trial experience. I'd done jury trials for murder cases, So this attorney on the other side was really a bully. He was not kind to me, he was rude, he was condescending. Um, He treated me like I didn't know what I was doing. And at first it started to intimidate me, but then I thought, you know what, I know this system and I know how to prepare these family law cases. So I did what I was taught to do, I did what I had learned to do at the prosecutor's office and I got my act together. I prepared my witnesses, I got my exhibits together, and my client went into the courtroom and we kicked their butt, okay? We got everything that we were asking for, and it's true um, what Pamela was saying this morning. It's very rare to have a trial where you get out and you get everything that you want and that you're high-fiving each other. Very rare. So I encourage everybody to try to settle if you can. If you can't, though, then you end up in the courtroom, but anyways, this was a huge day for me and my client because we were successful. And as we were walking out of the courtroom, we were walking behind the other, the other party and his attorney, and I heard the other attorney turn to his client and say, we just got our butts kicked. And that's the day Command the Courtroom was born. So Command the Courtroom is a six-step plan. Um, the first plan is building the case. Building the case starts early early. Building a good case starts before you ever set foot into the courtroom. The second step is telling your story. And I'm going to get into each of these in more detail in just a minute. The third step is asking the right questions of the other side. The fourth step is showing the right evidence that the judge needs to hear to rule or to to increase your chances of success. The fifth, fifth step is blocking unwanted testimony and evidence from coming into play in the courtroom. And then the sixth step is, um, I forgot the sixth step, (laughs) because we're not going to talk about it. It is about bringing it on in the courtroom. Today we're talking about five steps. So I don't want you to be the little guy. I don't want you to be bullied by the other guy. I am devoted to empowering people who represent themselves. I went to law school at Notre Dame, and there was a tapestry that hung at the law library, and this is what it said. If you want peace, work for justice. Pope John Paul VI said that. I do want peace in the world, despite the fact I'm in a high-conflict profession, but I want to work for justice, and that's why I'm here to help. So let's dig in. Um, I want to know, next slide, how many people here have lawyered up? Does anybody know Sal? Breaking Bad? No? Okay. How many people here have a lawyer? Can you raise your hands and tell me if you have a lawyer? Okay, okay, one guy has a lawyer, two guys have a lawyer. All right, how many people are representing themselves in their cases? Can you raise your hands? All right, either way, this program's going to be awesome. I'm going to give you some good tips that help, help you tremendously. Next question, how many people's cases involve custody of their children? Raise your hands. okay. How many people's cases involve how much time they're gonna spend with their children in terms of parenting time? Raise your hand. How many people's cases involve how much support you're gonna have to pay for your children? Raise your hand. And how many people's cases involve how much support you might receive on behalf of your children? Raise your hand. All right, great. So these are some of the most important things in our lives, if not the most important. So it doesn't make sense that you would go into the courtroom blindfolded. So let's talk about step one. Next slide, Shannon. Next slide. Next slide. Build it. Building your best custody case. One of the obstacles that I see people come across when they go into the courtroom is they go into the courtroom and they don't have all of the evidence that they need to prove their case to the judge. There are things that they could have brought in, for example, text messages or payroll reports or email messages um, or particular witnesses, and they don't know it. If they don't present this stuff to the judge, then it's really hard for the judge to rule in their favor. And in Arizona, there's certain ways that you can get your hands on evidence for free. You can ask questions of the other side that they are required to respond to within a certain time period by law. Most people don't know that, so that's one of the obstacles they come, against, come up against is getting the evidence that they need. Next slide. Another obstacle that people come up against is they don't know what the other side is going to present. My husband is a huge football fan, a huge sports fan, loves the Cardinals. Does anybody here like the Cardinals? Yeah, Cardinals fans, almost everybody. Is there any Dallas fans in here? Okay. Oh, sorry. Carlos. Oh, you are from Texas, aren't you? (laughs) Okay. So when coaches are going to have a big game, they study the tapes of the other team so they know what strategies the other team is going to use. You can do this in your family law case. You can get certain things from the other side. You're not going to go into the courtroom and get blindsided if you don't Uh, if you know the right tools to use. So this is another problem that people have in their family court cases. Next slide. The biggest problem I see is people don't even know what they want, though. They haven't taken the time to sit down and write out the top things that they want to get out of their case. So if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I want more overnights with my child, for example, you're not going to be able to express that to the judge. And a judge is not a mind reader. A judge is not a fortune teller. You need to tell the judge exactly what it is you want. So the first step in building your case is identifying what you want. So next slide. I want you to stop. We're going to take 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Write down the top one, two, or three things that you want out of your case. Right now, let me give you an idea, a couple of
1: You're listening to The Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. And today we're listening to a live recording with attorney, family law attorney, Wendy Hernandez. She's talking about representing yourself, doing a part called Command the Courtroom. We'll be back with Wendy after this. Are you in need of family law legal services? Contact fathermatters.org. Our purpose is to provide free legal assistance services to fathers and their families. Remember, you have the right to see your children and no parent can take that right away from you. Being responsible financially for your children is required by law, but even parents without financial means have the right to see their children. Don't let a legal matter stop you from being an excellent and involved parent. For more information about free family law legal services, log on to fathermatters.org. That's fathermatters.org. Welcome back to the Father Matters Show. We're listening to Wendy Hernandez, a live recording from the Father Matters Fifth Annual Court and Custody Conference. We're going to get right back into that. But if you have not yet partnered with Father Matters, Would you please consider becoming a Father Matters partner? The Father Matters show is listener supported in all Father Matters programs and services are free to the community because of your generous donations. For more information about donating to Father Matters, log on to fathermatters.org and click the donate to Father Matters icon. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at FatherMatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. I'm not going to hold you up anymore. We're going to get right back into Wendy Hernandez, and she's speaking on representing herself. She's doing a portion of her workshop, Command the Courtroom.
0: Right now, let me give you an idea, a couple of ideas. Do you want to share joint decision-making? Meaning, do you want to have equal say over the medical, educational, religious care, and personal care decisions in the life of your child? Or do you want more parenting time with your child? Do you want equal parenting time with your child? Do you want to have your child more of the time? Do you think you want to pay child support? And, you know, every, it's a requ- requirement in the state of Arizona to pay child support. Um, so what are your wishes in terms of child support? Do you think that child support is owed to you? So take the time, write down those three things, and that's the first step that you just completed to building your, your, your best uh, case, commanding the courtroom. So let's go on to step two. Step two. We're going to fast forward and imagine that you have built your case. You have gathered all of the evidence. You've requested all the information that you want from the other side, and you've got it in your hand, and you're ready to go. You've disclosed it, and it's time for the big show. It's time for court. So you go into courtroom, the courtroom, and you have to tell your story. So this is tell it. Next slide. So you tell your story during direct examination, and a good direct examination tells your story. One of the main problems that people have with direct examination is they don't know how. And when they don't know how to do a direct examination properly, it leads to constant objections. So I'm going to teach you how to ask questions on direct in just a minute, but that's the first issue that people come up against. The second issue is is that people don't know what type of evidence is admissible, so their evidence is rejected. So I want everybody to repeat after me. Can you say reliable, relevant, and right? Say it again, reliable, Reliable. relevant, and right. So we don't have time to go into relevant, reliable, and right today, but just know that in order for your um, evidence to be accepted, one of the first things the judge has to find is that it's actually relevant to the, the issues in dispute So people often don't know the type of evidence that can be admitted at trial. And then the third issue that people often have is they have no strategy at all when it comes to direct examination. They have no roadmap. They go into court and they throw spaghetti at the wall and and hope the judge figures it out. During direct examination, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan for your whole case. And to this day, after practicing for 20 years, every single witness that I'm going to examine... I read out the questions and I may not follow them exactly, but I have a strategy, I have a roadmap, I have touch points for the judge to to hang on to in my case. So let's talk about how to ask questions. Next slide. A, A leading question is a question that suggests the answer to the person that you're asking it to. So an example of a leading question would be, what's your name again, sir? Ronald, Ronald. Isn't it true that you're wearing a blue shirt today? So is that a leading question, everybody? Okay, a non-leading question would not suggest the answer. During direct examination, you are only allowed to ask non-leading questions. And they, you know to make a, a non-leading question um, happen easier, my advice is always keep your questions short. The longer they get, the more commas and pauses there are the chances are that it's a leading question. So next slide. Keep it simple, Slick. Keep your questions simple. Keep them open-ended, keep them non-leading. So let's play for a minute. Um, Ronald, let's imagine that you are trying to prove to the court that you are the primary caretaker of your child. And you have a neighbor who's a witness on the stand and you're examining that witness. If I asked you, um, neighbor, isn't it true that I was the primary caretaker of the children? What do you think that the next thing you're gonna hear is, especially if there's an attorney on the other side? Exactly, everybody say it again, objection, right? Objection, yeah, and you get so many objections, it really throws you off balance. So I wanna turn this into non-leading. So, Ronald, um, if, you are on the, if, you're, if you're examining your witness, can you give me an example? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot. You know, we're all here to help each other. There's no shame. Um, so what, what can you craft a question that you would think would be non-leading to your neighbor?
1: Isn't it true that I take my son to school every day?
0: So that's leading because it's suggesting the answer. Isn't it true? Most questions that start with, isn't it true? That that is a leading question. So let me give you an example. Neighbor, um, can you describe what you usually saw happening when you came to our house in the evenings after work and school? That's a non-leading question. That's an open-ended question. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Okay. Okay. or you could say neighbor, describe the types of extracurricular activities that me and the kids were involved in and describe who it was that was taking the kids to the extracurricular activities. So keep your questions non-leading during direct examination when you're telling the story, okay? All right, next slide. Now we're gonna talk about asking it. Asking it during cross-examination. Next slide. Cross-examination is a chance to tell your story again. And this is the really fun way to tell your story again. I love cross-examination, love cross-examination. Another purpose of cross-examination though is to reveal weaknesses in your ex's case or the other party's case. Some of the problems that people usually have with cross-examination are, next slide please, next slide. They open the door. So unlike direct examination on cross, The only types of questions that you should be asking are leading questions. You are telling the person on the stand, the person who's testifying for your soon-to-be ex, you are telling them what you want them to say. You don't want to give them room to tell their story again by asking, why did you do that? Never, never, never ask a non-leading question during cross. So that's one of the obstacles that people face during cross. Next slide, Shannon, please. Another obstacle is during cross-examination, people don't know how to impeach witnesses. So what it means to impeach a witness is that you're trying to prove that a witness is not being truthful or they made a prior inconsistent statement. And that was
1: win- Wendy Hernandez, family law attorney. If you want to get in contact with Wendy, reach out to, at her, reach out to her at 602-230-230 two three 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 visit her website at hernandezfirm.com hernandez with a z as in zebra hernandezfirm.com don't worry don't worry don't worry we will be back next week with part two of wendy helping you on how to represent yourself in court thank you for tuning in send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org thank you to my engineer jeremy siegel and look See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless.